first come like, I don't even know him, but he seems like a trustworthy guy. Everybody give it for Dan Wade, everybody. Dan Wade. members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random followed by another that's a cover it's Wheel of Randy Hey, it's Wheel of Randy this is a podcast where Ah, uh, you know what? The theme song pretty much explained it. I'm Dan Wade. Good Trash Media is our podcast network, and our sponsor is Wade Engineering. And let's start the show! It's Wheel of Randy! Hey, we've reached the big time. We've got Jarvix today, folks. Say <laughs> hey, everybody, Jarvix. Hey, everybody. Um the big time yeah wow yeah. i'm flattered but you know jarvix is uh, a, a local institution when it comes i to i guess so TV. in in certain very obscure circles perhaps how, how, how would you describe yourself musician and what, what music critic or compiler or what uh yeah i i kind of call myself a street journalist i guess is is the term i've used well you need a it's not you need a newsies cap if you're gonna go around calling yourself <laughs> that. yeah um yeah i i'm still kind of i don't know no, nobody's come up with a good term for me yet so um i am jarvix uh j-a-r-v-i-x that's my sort of musician name um but evan jarvix is kind of my more formal um i run a music blog called make oklahoma weirder where I have the official title of chief executive weirdo. <laughs> so um, that's a that's a local music blog covers uh, various music of all genres and uh, types in uh, Oklahoma. And then I do some music myself as Jarvik, some kind of a one man band with a looping pedal kind of situation. I play ukulele, um, but not the way you would necessarily think because um, ukulele kind of gets a bad rap but i like to pull some different voices out of it people don't always expect so i got to see um, you a couple yeah. times uh perform at, at the paramount room back in in the before times <laughs> oh yeah the before times someday soon we'll we'll get back to yeah a new I hate saying new normal. Anyway, we'll, 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 we will see performances again. Yes. Okay, so keep Oklahoma weirder. Um, first of all, uh, that's taken a life beyond what, what, what you've created it to be because I've, my, I've seen the stickers around town. Oh, hey. And, uh, okay. My realtor had a keep Oklahoma weirder sticker on and and uh wow uh, i said oh do you know jarvix and she said uh no i just like the sticker <laughs> yeah exactly uh, that's perfect and you know I, I i lived in in austin in the 90s and got to see uh you know i you know keep austin weird was was everywhere in the 90s right and right it, it was kind of something that i kind of rolled my eyes about i was like i i don't want to be around weird people i just want to go to school and and get back to Oklahoma. Uh, but then when I went back to Austin last year, I looked around, I was like, I don't recognize the city anymore. 
this is mm. this is Dallas. This is all of the flavor that I remember from Austin is kind of gone. It's like, oh, maybe keeping things weird is kind of important. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, I, I I've seen your 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 music reviews. I, I really enjoyed your list you did for KOSU, uh, the uh, the ten local. Uh, uh, the music yeah, videos. The music videos. Yeah, thank um, you. That was, um, you know, I recognized a couple of names on on there, but uh, it, it exposed me to some new people, which is always good. Cool, good. That's what I want to do. My my favorite was the one that you had uh, number one, which was uh, what, what what's his name, the guy who 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 tracked uh, his his progress for a year. Yeah, um, he's out of Tulsa. His name's Aaron J. Morton, and I. I only found out about him a couple of years ago. And as far as I can tell, he's not really that well known. So I was pretty ecstatic whenever he dropped that music video. He had another music video last year that was pretty good too, but uh, he got really busy during quarantine and did some cool stuff. And he's, he's also a composer. So you can, uh, he definitely works a lot of sort of scoring into his own music video which is which is really fascinating there's a lot of cool things about that video but yeah uh if he's new to you he's new to almost everybody else too he's 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 kind of in his own kind of sector up there in tulsa but yeah that was that was a fun one i i, th- I think you you walk a line a, a real challenge that the that, that people have when it comes to exposing people to new music uh, that, that you handle very well you do it without any sense of snobbery around it ah uh, yeah it, it's very easy for people to say oh you've never heard of you know so and so oh i can't believe that and uh for 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 people who talk music it's very easy to turn into uh jack black's character from high fidelity and just yeah show utter right. contempt for everyone around you um but you, you do such a good job at, at, at introducing people to stuff uh, in a way that says, hey, you might like this. And uh, it's okay if you've never heard of it before. Um, so the, the, the weirdness doesn't come across as, as being better than, than, than you know, your average person out there. So I, 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 you've done a really, really good job doing that cool no i'm really glad that's it's definitely something that it was sort of uh i I don't want to go into like my whole story on this it would take too long but um i mean a lot of things just kind of fell into place and i it was just a thing that i sort of ended up gravitating to that i found that other people valued and it uh yeah it it all started about five or six years ago when um, I was writing for Literati Press, which is a local uh, publisher and comics and novelist uh, publisher. They um, had a blog at the time, and I was like, you know, I'd really like to just write some reviews for music that nobody's talking about. And um, there's there's always a, a big gap between what's actually happening in the music scene and what actually gets covered, even in the alternative publications around here um it's it's there's just a lot of cool stuff that goes on that if you're not in the middle of it it's really hard to see it and um it's just one thing led to another i started writing for stellar door music group and then eventually i started my own 
blog, which is make Oklahoma weirder. Um, you were saying keep Oklahoma weirder. Oh, it's man. a slight difference. Wow. Yeah. So I, I tried not to make it too derivative of Austin. Um, the well, thing Austin is, stole uh, it from Portland, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Well, it's um my my personal view on the slogan is that it's it's not necessarily about you know Oklahoma being weirder than anything else. Um, it's not competitive. It's Oklahoma being weirder than it is right now. Yeah. Like, you know, Oklahoma to me, um, certainly is weird. We've, we've seen a lot of weird stuff, but, um, to me, weirdness isn't just, uh, you know, stuff that is strange and odd and freaky. Like it can also just mean stuff that's different to you. And it, uh, for me, it's, it's a big proclamation of inclusivity and the more weirder, more weirder, <laughs> the weirder things are, um, the less, weird perhaps weird people may feel and i don't know as as coming from a major outsider to the scene you know nobody had a clue who i was five years ago you know i just kind of carved my own niche and found people who were like-minded and kind of went from there but i just i really wanted to create a space that celebrated differences as opposed to things that you know, people can be expected to like, you know, things that are going to sell magazines. I wanted to find, you know, the voices that weren't as celebrated, but were no less valid. And there's, there's certainly been some discoveries made, I think, both with myself and maybe that I've exposed to some other people and help cross some paths that might not otherwise have happened. So for me, that's, that's kind of the whole idea of it. And it's, it's definitely not about snobbery. It's about um, celebrating what what's in our backyard and trying to connect the dots a little bit. So I'm really glad you you have that take on it because that's kind of what it is. You from Oklahoma originally? Yes, yes. I was uh, born in Oklahoma City, raised in Moore, and I've just kind of bounced around the metro pretty much my whole life, and I'm kind of okay with that. So. I, I always figured as a kid that I would move up north. Um, I've always wanted to go to Canada, but um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one of these decades I'll finally get fed up with the United States and move somewhere. But I don't know. I think it's also okay to value, um, you know, uh, deepening one's roots where one was planted. And I sort of take a lot of value in being kind of a local um I mean, you, you described me as an institution. Yeah. So like, you know, I mean, the fact that I could be that to anybody um, certainly has a lot to do with, you know, being here and staying active here and, you know, following all of the various changes and being involved in all of that to, uh, yeah, just, just help enrich what, what could possibly be here what, without being an outsider, I guess. So I don't know. I, I think when, when it comes to the creative community, uh, Oklahoma has really, really pleasantly surprised me. Uh, it's easy for people to look at, you know, an electoral map and say, oh, every county has gone red every year for the past 16 years. Uh, so it would be easy for an outsider to say, eh, nothing good can come from this place. Uh, sure. Uh, but, you know, if, if you find, you know, 5% of the people 
10% of the people to be like-minded. That's a lot of people right. that you can associate with. Um, and, you know, I found it that way, you know, even in, even in small towns, I go to small towns all throughout the state and I see, I see that weirdness there. I see, you know, even in, in little tiny communities, people, uh, that that DIY ethic there, I see people, you know, sticking their necks out and, and doing really cool, creative stuff. Um, so it, it, it'd be easy for someone to say, oh, I'm tired of Oklahoma. I'm just going to go to Dallas. That's where the action is or go mm, to right. Brooklyn or what have you. But, you know, I found if you put the work in, there's just a really, really great creative community here. Yeah, there really is. And it's, yeah, it's definitely in the little pockets of Oklahoma, too. Um, certainly, that list that I wrote um, that you mentioned before, the music videos, those are predominantly Oklahoma City artists with a little bit of Tulsa mixed in. But I do have an honorable mentions that I'm going to premiere later. And it includes an artist from Ada, nice. who I think is really great. There's this um rapper out of ada who has like really strong numbers online and you know blows a lot of you know folks who are well regarded in oklahoma city out of the water in a lot of ways um there's a guy out of ardmore who has incredible numbers like millions of streams on spotify nobody knows who he is here but they know him on the internet you know huh. there's 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 a hip-hop community even in enid like there's there's stuff kind of here and there and all over the place and you wouldn't necessarily ever expect that but um yeah i'm trying to remember uh levi henson is the person i mentioned from ada shout out to levi um he's he, he's pretty good um but there's there's a lot of cool stuff um and i mean there's of course singer songwriters and all that too um jonathan ashley white is kind of from down south also um but yeah you wouldn't necessarily think Oklahoma hip hop would exist in the super rural communities, or if they do, it's like um, we have an artist out of Lawton who's known for his like kind of countryfied version of rap music, and it's it's something that's gotten a lot of play in the Lost Ogle because they like to you know poke fun at him and stuff. But mm -hmm. you know, Lawton is also where Jacoby Ryan's from, and he's like a major uh, hip hop player around mm -hmm. here. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's a wonderful individual and, you know, they came from the same town, but they're totally different. Um, but anyway, I could, I could go on about that forever. What do you think drives someone to, to create, uh, it, it it's, it's very easy for, for people to, Hey, I'm not picking on American Idol in particular, but it, it's very easy for people to to pursue music or, or creative auditions, thinking, "Oh, maybe I'll strike it big." Uh, but you know, everyone I know is pretty realistic about it, and they're doing it, you know, out, out of love as much as anything else. But that seems like that, that there's a surge on that it seems like we see more and more people just sticking their necks out and creating you know just for the love of it yeah uh, do you, you know a whole lot more musicians and, and artists than me 
you know them better than me is just the, the casual consumer. What drives somebody to, to do that, to, to, to create, even knowing, yeah, this, I'm probably going to have a day job. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, what make, what compels people to do this? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I do think there are some people who do it with some ambitions and hopes to break into the industry and make it And there's it big. nothing wrong with ambitions and hopes. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a lottery a lot of times. I mean, um, breaking into the industry is often just as much a matter of chance and opportunity than it is talent, um, arguably more so. And um, I, I definitely know some folks who have kind of tried it at uh, on that route, but there's definitely just as many um, who are doing it for the love of it, like you mentioned. And um, yeah, I think at least where I'm coming from, I mean, I can kind of mention, you know, myself as a solo artist, I've always liked music, um, you know, and I was in high school band and all that fun stuff. But I always wanted to uh, compose. I really liked making music and I kind of messed around with um, music software and I, I posted stuff anonymously online for a while where, oh, nice. yeah, it had nothing to do with, you know, getting known or anything. I was, I was really nervous about stuff. I had stage fright and I just, I really liked making art and expressing things and expressing ideas and all of that through music and it was just I, I guess you could say it, it can be a bit of a hobby at that stage but um i just i found enough encouragement from people online and the more i became involved in what was happening here locally which i mostly credit to norman music festival Oh, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Spy FM also uh, exposed me to a lot of local music stuff. And I realized, oh, there's actually a place for this here. I can actually do something here with this. And I started doing open mics. And that's why open mics are still kind of a near and dear thing to me. I actually started at the Paramount about two owners before uh, we met because it's had they quite don't a history mountain years they measure it in the owners <laughs> right um but uh yeah it's just it's always been there and i think one of the things you mentioned was it seems like more people are like you're seeing more of it and i think the key thing there is seeing it because i could have just been doing it anonymously forever and nobody would see it yeah. but i think the way that the industry has evolved, the way that um, it's easier for musicians to distribute their music, it's easier for them to advertise themselves with the internet 2.0 and social media and um, music software. You know, everybody seems to have a home studio anymore. You don't have to get on a record label and have somebody pay thousands of dollars into a record for you to possibly not be able to pay back after it flops. I mean, you know, the industry isn't, it's, it's still a, a bit of a beast, but if you work outside of it, there's a lot more opportunity, I think, than there used to be. And in my view, I think people have always been pretty creative. There's 
I mean, think about all the great folk tunes from a hundred years ago that never got documented, you know, and we didn't see that, but these days we would see that. So that's, that's kind of my thought on that. Cool. Cool. Uh, Have you found ways to perform this year? Gotten creative in how you're performing? Uh, Yeah. Not as much as I'd like. Um, But uh, yeah, I've done some, some virtual stuff and some uh, outdoor stuff. I did like a backyard party for like 15 people at one point and I played at the plaza a couple times outdoors. They had the streets blocked off for a little while uh, for these Saturday events they would do. And uh, some of the virtual stuff um, I've been on a couple of virtual music festivals and I've done some like art moves, which I always want to shout out if I have a chance. Art I moves. love art moves. When I yeah. worked downtown, I would plan my lunch around that. <laughs> it's great. I, I wish more people knew about it because there, there is so much cultural opportunity. I, I you know, uh, people say oh, Oklahoma City is just a, a count town or what have you, but you know, I could I could leave my office and walk to a park and and there's a band playing Buena Vista Social Club. Like, are you kidding me <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah that's great i i love that art news program that's yeah shout out to the arts council oklahoma city yeah yeah also chase kirby books for art moves um he's a singer songwriter who's been around for a while here um oh, well then i need to talk to chase because yeah I've, I've got it i've got a type 45 yeah yeah if you've got i mean yeah they, they have an open application if anyone does anything artistic it doesn't have to be music it can be like a visual arts demonstration or crafts or something like that yeah it's uh, every week storytellers do it yeah, yeah 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 storytellers um yeah and chase kirby is uh it's k-e-r-b-y um but he's he's a phenomenal on twitter or something probably he's pretty active on twitter um he's he's had a long and storied history in the music scene he's been in like five different bands um that he's fronted probably more beyond that like i think he plays with uh bo jennings and some folks but he uh he he's known for some folks as uh being a contestant on the voice a few years back he was team Gwyn, okay. so there's that too which him. kind of interesting because you had mentioned before about american idol as maybe an example of folks chasing music as fame and like he had done music long before that and he just thought maybe this would be you know what he needed to kind of break him into a different stratosphere of music and sure. i think he ended up he was probably already disillusioned, but I'm willing to bet he's probably even more disillusioned <laughs> afterwards. Um, Cause if you look him up on Spotify or whatever, like all his solo stuff is gone. It's just that voice stuff. And he's under a new name hotel nights. Now it's his project. Um, so anyway, again, I could talk about this stuff forever. Right. Uh, next part of the show is called second chances. Our pod is a pod of second chances. One of the reasons that, that I promote Randy Newman is because he's someone I had to give a second chance to. He's someone that I kind of blew off at first, but when, once I gave a second chance and, and listened to and dug deep, I, I was able to appreciate him in a way that I, I didn't the first time around. 
So what I want to know is, is there an artist that people know that you think they need to go back and take a deeper listen to? Oh, wow. Uh, um, when I hear that, I automatically think of like one hit wonders, but a lot of times there's, um, sometimes there's a reason that they're one hit wonders and maybe <laughs> there isn't, you know, like, like that second chance was given and there wasn't much done with it. You know, yeah. um, there's actually a, there's a YouTube video series I watched called one hit wonderland. And it's, this guy goes into these one hit wonders and like, just kind of delves into the history of these artists and what happens before and after the big hit and everything. So I, I dig that stuff a lot. Nice. <laughs> so he's like, got a lot of great picks on there. Um, I have, I have a, uh, um, back when I was kind of discovering, um, like mainstream music when I was kind of growing out of, uh, like I, I had a kind of a strict, uh, self-imposed, um, uh, like, like a boycott of anything that cursed or talked about bad things. And so I, I had, I grew up in a lot of Christian music and then I kind of went into instrumental music because, you know, my theory was it's not bad if it's, you know, all just instrumental. Right. Yeah. So I like got into classical music and film scores as you know, this episode is about and, um, I remember finding Bobby McFerrin, who many people know as this one hit wonder from decades past. I'm not yeah. even sure when that came out, but uh, the, uh, you know, don't worry, be happy guy, you mm -hmm. know, because it was kind of a novelty hit because there wasn't a lot of stuff out there where people, um, you know, did everything with their voice like that. Um I'm, sh I'm sure it existed, but it kind of it kind of struck a chord with people, and it also made a lot of people uh, very annoyed. I feel like a lot of people <laughs> seem to hate that song, and they just associate Bobby McFerrin with that. Um, but I remember there was this old CD store back when CD stores were viable, and I was like, "Hey, Bobby McFerrin, greatest hits. Um, I wonder what he he only has one hit. How does there a whole CD of this?" and I ended up checking out some of his stuff from like the 1990s and was like, whoa, this is, this is pretty cool. This is like a whole different art form that I wasn't even aware of. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. um, he had, you know, he had the stuff where he wrote songs, but a lot of his stuff was also verbal, but non lyrical, I guess. Yeah. Cause he, he treats his voice as an instrument in, in a lot of ways that's beyond, you know, what people got from that one song. So, like, if anybody out there uh, is is familiar with, you know, Don't Worry, Be Happy, but hasn't even checked out anything else, like, I mean, he's he's done all kinds of stuff. Oh, he's yeah. collaborated with Yo-Yo Ma and mm -hmm. all kinds of cool stuff. So, I, I guess that would I be it. I remember Sorry. when uh, when Don't Worry, Be Happy was out, he, he, uh, he went on SNL as a musical guest. And... Uh, just blew their socks off have you ever seen that performance uh no i haven't okay. i've seen him I've... do some live stuff and blow people's minds but not the snl thing L let me pull up just a, a little clip here because i okay i remember yeah. as a, a, a i was like 15 or 16 going 
How the hell did he just do that? Let me pull this up here real fast. All right, this this is a, a clip from his song Drive, and I'm just going to do like the last 10 or 15 seconds. Cool. Yeah. So for, for the audience, he has put the microphone up to his throat, and his throat is singing one note and his mouth another at the same time. Yeah. That's rad. I haven't seen that before. Yeah, that 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 whole performance was just really, really incredible. So I'll I'll put a link to that on the the notes to this week's show because that's that. I'm with you. I I, I go around uh, I go around evangelizing Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> he's done some really fantastic things. I've I've I know Ella Fitzgerald could do that two note thing too. Uh, she did that uh, in uh, if if you get the album Ella in Berlin. Uh, she does that uh, on How High the Moon. Uh, she's got a perfect octave between her throat and her mouth. Wow. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I think this is the last episode of Second Chances because that was the perfect answer, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd love to hear some other folks come on with their recommendations. Yeah. So hopefully not. But Oh, also, before we get off Bobby McFerrin, have you ever heard his dad? Robert McFerrin. Yeah. Um, I I've heard him guest on one of Bobby's tracks. That's the only where I've heard on the song. I think Discipline is what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got um. I've I've been out to St. Louis a few times, and he has like a little thing on the sidewalk out there. Is Robert McFerrin Senior? Oh, nice. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I like uh, I like that track. All right, so let's talk a little Randy. What have you brought to the show today? Man, I I I've felt compelled to bring a soundtrack as opposed to um a lyrical song from the catalog. And I I can't really defend this pick. It's just something that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a soundtrack that I own and that I've listened to. I, I actually used it as house music for one of my shows one time. I did I did a show a few years ago called um, A Benefit for Dead Horses with uh, a couple of other local artists. And um, there was like horse themes involved in some of the imagery we used. But uh, yeah, this is the soundtrack to Seabiscuit, the Oscar-nominated soundtrack to Seabiscuit. I forget who directed it, but yeah. Yeah, this would have been what, 2004, 2005, something around. There. I'd have to look it up. It's early 2000s. This is a. This was kind of a, a, a challenging theme for him because he had. Th- this was really his first adult drama that he'd done in six or seven years, um, and so uh, when, when DreamWorks did this, they kind of uh, they were kind of bringing him back. No, I'm not trying to. to to badmouth the, the 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 kids shows, but but they were kind of bringing him back into the adult drama thing, and um, I really really like the soundtrack. Uh, is there a particular track that we should have people listen to? I'm just uh, pulling this up on Spotify. Yeah, that's a good question. I think one of the interesting parts about movie soundtracks is sometimes they're uh, you know 
the the track list is in sequence of the way that the movie goes and then uh-huh. sometimes it's completely out of sequence and it's restructured for a a tonal experience from start to finish and and this one's the latter like it actually ends on a song that comes pretty early on in the movie and hmm. stuff so it's it's kind of an interesting choice i'm not sure i would almost go with that last track um trying to remember i'd have to pull it up to see what it's called here a nice ride a nice ride yes yes let's do that one okay let's let's see when we listen to that and folks why don't you pull up the link at uh will randy twitter account i'll have a link to a nice ride I'm not just going to Google a nice ride because God knows <laughs> come up with it. Right. Yeah. There a nice go. ride, Randy. <laughs> there, that's much better. <laughs> okay. All right, folks, we will be back in just a minute. We're going to be married 25 years this May. Yeah. People ask us for relationship advice. I say never base your relationship on having the same things in common. Like music. She and I have nothing in common musically. She likes good time rock and roll that you can get in the car and turn up and sing along to, like the Beach Boys and Springsteen and the Kinks. And I like guys who mope and talk about how depressed they are and how the world's passing them by. Like the Beach Boys. Springsteen and the Kinks. Ah! <laughs> wow all right tell me what you like about this piece uh well i think it's gorgeous yeah, yeah, yeah. for for starters um i think i mean he he really knows how to write for the orchestra and it's yeah i mean even apart from the film it's just a really beautiful piece of music it's you know, it's obviously very traditional, but I think that's exactly what this score is trying to be. It's, you know, uh, the American dream and all that. And I think they wanted to end the album on this track because of how strong it is, even though, like I said, it comes early on in the movie. Um, I watched the movie a few months back, and that's kind of what inspired me to, like, go back to the soundtrack and bring it here. Um, and I remember this was a part where, uh, this was like before horse racing was even like a big part for this particular horse. Like, I mean, the horse was, um, Seabiscuit was, you know, bred and everything, but was going to be, you know, discarded and dismissed. And it was this moment about, you know, this jockey and this racehorse, you know, connecting and, you know, harnessing the wildness within them to sort of, you know, take off. And it's, it doesn't take place on a racetrack. They're just like, you know, running out in nature. And like, to me, this is like the biggest part of, of the soundtrack, even though within the case of the movie, of course, it builds into much more than that. But for me, it's, it's the purity of it, I think, that really makes it sing. And I just, I feel like kind of on, on that note as well, um, Randy Newman as a lyricist uh, likes to be, you know, likes to provide a lot of layers and a lot of commentary on his, on his own topics. And this particular moment to me feels very pure and very um, just like all of that is 
kind of pushed away and forgotten for a moment. Yeah. And that's, that's what I like. <laughs> uh, when, when this movie came out, I, I had much higher hopes for this movie than, 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 than what I realized because I was obsessed with this book. Mm. You know, in, in 03, you know, a, a friend of mine from Sunday school said, you've got to read this book. I said, I don't care about horse racing. I can't imagine being interested in this, but Laura Hillenbrand is just such a, 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 a captivating writer and was able to do an amazing amount of research for this. She... Seabiscuit kind of got lost in time. You know, Seabiscuit, you know, the horse was, was huge and then kind of came this pop culture thing. So there was like a Shirley Temple Seabiscuit movie, mm -hmm. which she said was, was dreadful. So she had to go through all this fact and fiction. And a lot of what she found about the trainer came from this German porno magazine that he did an interview with. Wow. And she's like, I had to to order this through eBay and customs got hold of it. And it was, it was this whole thing. But, but uh, the whole point of that is that Laura Hillenbrand just wrote an absolute masterpiece with this book. And it's the kind of thing that it was too good to get to translate sure. on the screen. Right. Um, but, but yeah, that's very much a, a, a theme uh, that the movie does capture well is like you said, just not being on the track, just an animal that loved to run. You know, we, we, we talked about artists doing what they love to do. You know, Seabiscuit was this horse. That sure. Love to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a composer, but you know, I, there's some, definitely some themes I've, I've picked up on this uh, that, uh, you know, you saw my notes earlier. He, he starts off with clarinet on this, and this clarinet, uh, the soundtrack's just loaded with clarinet. Yeah. Um, and he uses that to establish a lot of the themes on this. And I love the, the French horn work in this um, and how it kind of builds into the, the main theme. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a lovely piece. Um, you talked about how, you know, this is, you know, very, very typical work very American dream kind of kind of inspired thing. But there were some things on this soundtrack that surprised me. Yeah, on the soundtrack as a whole, yeah. Uh, there's more classical guitar work on this than I expected. Yeah, I love uh, that. And he brings in a, a wonderful mariachi group in, in, in the middle. But what, what I, I liked most about it, I, I went back and watched clips. Um, because one, one thing Randy said that has always stuck to me, a uh, friend of the show, Michael Pelusi, did an interview with him. And, and, and Randy said at one point, I don't think there's a thousand people in the world who know a score that's helping a picture from one that isn't. Mm. And, you know, that's just Randy being you know self-deprecating and saying a score isn't that important to a movie. But I keep imagining someone else ruining this movie with sure. a sloppy score yeah um and i i particularly noticed that when i watched the race sequences because the the music in the race sequences is surprisingly quiet yeah the way it's mixed in yeah it's just right you, you hear more hoof beat than music yeah 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 and it, it, it would be easy for you know a composer that i don't like like um, um 
like uh, what's his name james horner james horner yeah i titanic and yeah just as much as i loved interstellar the 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 score on that i thought was so oh done interstellar is hans zimmer hans zimmer thank you yeah 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 um you know to to the point where there are parts of the dialogue you can't hear because he's so in love with the score Mm-hmm. and christopher nolan too i think yeah yeah um he's he's been criticized for his uh voice mixing being too low um but uh yeah han zimmer is very bombastic and i think he he's not always that way is the crazy thing um i mean one of my favorite han zimmer scores is uh an old 90s movie called the power of one and it sounds completely different Hmm. and it's yeah it's he's he's got a lot of depth um matchstick men is another one that's totally different and it's he's got a lot of range but the thing is after he sort of did the pirates of the caribbean movies and then he did um the christopher nolan movies with like the dark knight and stuff he really got pigeonholed fast as you know this this composer that only does big stuff yeah okay and he's always done big stuff but he's also done he's peppered in a lot of other cool stuff um well i was i was pleasantly surprised with how subtle this soundtrack was when it needed to be um the the i think randy knows he's not the star of the show yeah uh, he's there to 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 fill in some silence and to set the mood and to move things along um so i, I thought that, that he did a really good job with that one piece that I particularly enjoyed, we won't listen to this, but I encourage, uh, encourage everyone here to listen, uh, is, is called Marcella and then Agua Caliente, Marcella slash Agua Caliente. And it's basically, uh, um, you know, it, it, it's a Spanish classical guitar number. Um, and, you know, Randy wrote it, but I can tell you it's the real deal. Um, it is not a second-rate composer doing a, 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 uh, a caricature of, of, of classical guitar. You know, my, my daughter danced flamenco for a long, long time, so I know a lot mm, of okay. Spanish guitar things to the point where she, is, she has taught me to be very snobby about it. In particular, <laughs> she, she, uh, she rolls her eyes at Miles Davis. She said, flamenco sketches? that's appropriation <laughs> so i've got this i've got this white girl criticizing miles davis for appropriating Spanish nice. music. yeah but uh but I, I thought randy did a really good job on that to the point that i had to pull it up and, and confirm did he actually write this piece or was this this uh, to my knowledge yes um that's how he did yeah yeah i i can um yeah, there's. I think there's one where he brought in the mariachi. That that's something else. But um, yeah, that that's another aspect of the score that I love a lot is the representation of of the Mexican culture, the Latin culture, and like actually doing it right as opposed to oh, this is such a small part of the movie. Right. You know, we'll just make it work. Um, but it, it really feels like he wanted to make sure that like this is also a part of the American story. Yeah. And we, we have to do it properly as well. I feel like in some respects, um, I think I get maybe more out of that 
than some of the more triumphant like trumpet moments which you know i think are great but uh they're maybe a little superficial whenever they're presented with this whole idea of you know winning and racing and like this is what the american dream is is beating other people yeah but then sometimes it's you know i want to say is that there's a part where there's like a, a barroom fight or something i don't i don't remember if that's what this cue is from but it's it's around there where you know there's this whole underside too and it's it's like it's all part of it and i feel like um definitely the uh that sort of culture that the protagonist ends up kind of flirting with and then becoming involved with. Um, and then it kind of getting glossed over even in the movie. Like, I feel like at least it wasn't something I picked up watching the movie the first time, but when I picked up the soundtrack and I heard this classical guitar and all of these influences, I'm like, wow, he, I almost feel like he put more intent in that than maybe the filmmakers did. <laughs> um, but uh yeah i i like that i like that cue a lot that's that was definitely a contender for me as as one that i think adds a lot of dimension that you might not necessarily pick up from the the cue that we played well i'm very very glad that you you suggested this one because it gave me a chance i don't listen to his scores as much uh as as, as his his straight you know lyrical albums so it was it was good to to take a day and just kind of dive into that. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I'm the opposite, so that's why I love your podcast so much. Well, time to put you on the hot seat. Okay. And are you ready to spin the wheel? Let's spin the wheel. All right, folks, you can play at home. Uh, go to our pinned tweet. You can can spin the wheel yourself and. And here it comes. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel of Randy. Stop. All right. Let's end it on Mr. President. Have pity on the working man. Do you know this song? I don't. Okay. Folks, this is off of the album Good Old Boys. Or if you have your Forrest Gump soundtrack, you can find it there. So take a minute, y'all, and listen to Mr. President. Have pity on the working man, and we will be right back. Oklahoma City does not have a grocery store in the northeast part of the city. That's insane. So we go around saying that we're a big league city, but you have to walk four miles to get a carrot. <laughs> but yeah, you got, you got to have it. It's essential. I know people say, hey, Dan, that's a little hypocritical. You're not eating a lot of produce these days. But that's the social contract, people. You support things that are good for society, even if you individually do not enjoy it. It's kind of like the spies. I'm super glad Ferris has his own radio station. I ain't listening to that shit. Okay, we're back. Yeah. I, I may have heard this one, actually. Um, I just don't remember it that vividly. But, yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, what, 70, 1974. So this was his uh, th this was uh, his attempt at, at a Watergate anthem. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, f for the audience's sake, Jarvix and I are, are, are recording this about, you know, 18 hours before the inauguration. <laughs> ah, that's true. 
And uh, <laughs> here we have this this president who's kind of out of touch and doesn't realize how much people are hurting. Yeah. Um, I I don't know that I have a lot to discuss. It seems like a pretty self-explanatory song. Um, maybe there's some nuance I'm not catching. I don't know. Uh, only nuance I can think of is that you know this is sung in the character of uh, a uh, a steel worker in Alabama, uh, and you know that 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 when even uh, you know the, as as solid a Nixon demographic as you could find, uh, even he is feeling abandoned. Uh, at the end of that administration is kind of where close as I can come to nuance on top of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I do kind of find it interesting that we are on the cusp of a, uh, you know, change in presidency. And certainly if you're ever writing a song, it always helps to, you know, leave just enough uh, room for it to be uh, always applicable to the future. Um I don't know. I feel like he could have named names and it still would have been as relevant. So maybe I don't have a point. I don't know. No, no, I see, I see where you're going because, you know, it, it, it's hard for anything political to have a, a shelf life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is coming up on 50 years since this, this song came out. And, um, you know, it, this is one that I, I found myself humming on election day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I almost kind of feel like it's more of a, I don't know, in, in my Twitter sphere echo chamber sometimes, it's um, a lot of this sort of talk is lobbed more at CEOs than presidencies. Like, Yeah, that's true. I don't know if some... the CEO is more willing to, to listen or if, if that's where the power is now, you know? Yeah. Huh. Very nice. Okay. Last thing we have is called This Week's Cover. This Week's Cover. And I wanted to pull up one that I found this week that really surprised me. We've talked before on the show about Beehive State, uh, and I found a cover by none other than the Doobie Brothers. Wow. So I never thought that the Doobie Brothers would, would cover a Randy Newman song, much less a quirky little political one like Beehive State. But, but uh, there's a link in the, the show, and guys, it, it's worth a, a listen to. All right, Jarvix, I think that's it. Thanks for coming. How can people get hold of you? How can people oh, find sure, out sure. about what you're doing? Uh, yeah, well, I, I do try to be on social media. Um, so me personally, and as an artist, that's Jarvix, J-A-R-V-I-X, Schmarvix, S-C-H-M-A-R-V-I-X. Is that a Harry Nilsson tribute? It, it is in part, yes. Um, it's spelled exactly like Nilsson Schmilson. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to include the C in Schmarvix, but then Harry Nilsson did it. And I was like, okay, yeah. that, that's an easy way to remember it. So, and yeah, certainly it's, it's a partial tribute, but uh, at Jarvix Schmarvix, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Jarvix.net, which is due for an update, but you can find some info there. And uh, I do have an album coming out this year. Uh, I just announced it over on the Praise Down podcast that you've mentioned here uh, before. And uh, 
it's going to be called only fish which is a which is a spin on only fans <laughs> and all all the tracks are are written about fish and that's that's the album so that's going to be coming out this year so stay up on that and um uh, also my make oklahoma weirder is at weirder okay that's w-e-i-r-d-e-r again uh weirder okay instagram facebook twitter and i'm probably more active there because <laughs> i spend more time promoting other people than myself but sure. uh yeah um stay up to date on the different reviews and interviews and stuff that we do over there uh try to try to have something for everybody you can go to make oklahoma weirder.com also and we've got we're working on backlogging everything pretty soon we'll have five years worth of writings that i've called from my other work elsewhere all in one place so i think i think that's about it fantastic thanks so much for coming jarvix you're the best uh thank you so much for having me i love this podcast well folks that's it for another episode of wheel of randy i'm dan wade your host for this week wheel of randy is part of the good trash media network special thanks to brian mays for our artwork you can check his work out on facebook at brian mays art not brian may that's the guy from queen Thanks to Moturn Media for our theme song and the This Week's Cover song and the Spin the Wheel song. You can check out Matt's work at Moturn Media. That's M-O-T-E-R-N. Special thanks to Alex Sanchez for our Second Chances theme song. You're listening right now to Rock and Gravel by Sid Valentine's Patent Leather Kids, and it is public domain. Thanks to everyone whose little audio clips I've stolen for the other bumpers. Thanks for being such good sports. Wheel of Randy is brought to you by Wade Engineering. We are a water and sewer engineering firm licensed in Oklahoma and Texas. We specialize in small town water and sewer work. We provide individual affordable service. The other service that we provide is to other engineering firms. I am a hydraulic modeler. I build water and sewer models, and I can do it cheaper and more accurately and prettier than your in-house engineers. So give me a call. Wade Engineering can be reached at 405-426-7634. And you can also use that number if you just want to talk Randy with somebody. Uh, When I say talk Randy, you know. Okay. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. It's Wheel of Randy!